Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. You are on the sidelines with the sideline guys. And today, I have the pleasure of being joined by the real deal himself. My God, Damien Adams. How's it going, my man? Doing good, man. Glad to be on the show. You know, it's always a pleasure when I get to chop it up with you. So another day, another good podcast. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And as always, you know, whenever we get you on, we dig deep in the bag. Uh, so we got a lot of stuff to cover today. I'm really excited once again, as I mentioned, to have you on. Uh, it's been a while, right? There's a lot happening in the world of boxing, a lot happened in the, in the world of NBA as well, and a lot to catch up on, man. So uh, I, I won't spare you guys any more pleasantries. We'll hop right into this. So the first topic of conversation I had, right? I'm thinking of all the different things we could talk about on this TSG boxing rundown. And there's nothing more wackier than this storyline, right? So I got to bring it out there. Uh, what the hell is going on with one Teofimo Lopez? So for the longest <laughs> time, right, it's been a joke in my family since he got COVID. I don't know if you're familiar with Spanish. His name, Teofimo, for a while he had COVID, right? So we started calling him Tio, da Tio Enfermo because that means you're sick, right? So Tio <laughs> <da> Enfermo. <laughs> As, as all these interviews keep coming out, man, I'm starting to believe that there's a little bit more to this story, right, than what's on the surface. And I just, it, it, it sickens me, and I see this, unfortunately, going in a much more negative direction than positive. Um, but we're here to talk sports, too, right? So let's talk about the, his last fight and where we see him going from here, man. Yeah, that's the crazy thing is all the stuff that's coming out afterwards is overshadowing his masterful performance against Josh Taylor. Uh, I was, I've been on a roll lately with my boxing picks. I've been on a, on a good roll. And then I had Josh Taylor going into that fight. I'm like, oh, he's going to master the distance. Taylor Fimo didn't look good in his last fight against Santa Martin. I think Taylor's going to have something to prove in this one. And I was dead wrong. Taylor Fimo Lopez from round four on dominated that fight. And you saw the difference in his athleticism compared to Taylor's in that fight. And it was like, okay, Teofimo's back. This is Teofimo Lopez that we saw against Lomachenko that we saw prior to that. Okay, he's back. Then afterwards, he's like, I'm retiring. We're like, what? <laughs> You're like, he's 25 years old. Like, what are you talking about? And I, I figured it was something about money. And then another statement came out. He said he only made a million dollars against Josh Taylor, which for that, that big of a fight is crazy. Like, there's no way for that massive of a fight, he should have only made a million dollars. Like, I don't know if he's exaggerating just to bring home the point or if Top Rank is really doing that. But if Top Rank only gave him a million dollars for that fight, that's crazy. And it's crazy that he even agreed to it. But maybe, I don't know the details of his contract with Top Rank, if that was his last fight with them or what it was. But if he only made a million for that fight, that's criminal. It's criminal. Uh, so... Hopefully, this is just him going through his emotions and trying to get to the point where we see him eventually with Matchroom or eventually with PBC, and he's making the money he deserves as one of the top guys in the sport. But yeah, that performance against Josh Taylor was masterful. He proved me dead wrong on that one, and he came in and did his thing, and that's the type of people that we know and love in the ring, and hopefully all the stuff that's going on outside the ring doesn't affect him going forward in the ring. For sure, man. I couldn't agree more. I texted you the night of, right? Right after round yeah. one. I'm like, damn, I, sh I should have put something <laughs> on, on Josh Taylor by decision. It was looking real good at that very second. Um, yeah. And man, did that text blow up in my face right after, man. <laughs> I learned my lesson, right? You got you got to talk your shit once the fight's done, right? Well, once yeah. it's all said and done, because I, I think it was really impressive what he was able to do, man. He's, he fought real adversity in that first round. 
And I think something that I've noticed, right, over combat sports, not just boxing, but MMA as well, sometimes guys have a fight where they were shocked, right? They were they they didn't expect to have this much trouble, right? And then the next yeah. fight, you see them get into a little bit of hot water, and then you see that look on their face, right? Like it's almost like, damn, this is happening to me again. Like yeah. like they're realizing it as it's happening. And honestly, I thought we were in store for one of those moments for Tio, man, and just completely reset himself, turn it around. And I, I couldn't believe it because especially with everything going on outside of the ring, right? All these different yeah. interviews that were just there wasn't a green flag in sight, bro. It was just yeah. all red <laughs> flags. And and between the drama with his dad, right? Shout out to Luke Thomas, right? He's one of the MMA boxing uh personalities I really follow closely. And something that he sort of pointed my attention to was a, a, a specific clip from an interview that he did where he was talking and his dad is there talking with him, right? And during the interview, he's saying, you see, like, this is what I mean. Like, I can't even say things without him trying to stop me or correct me or change the way I'm sort of talking. And just to be dealing with that, right, just to be dealing yeah. with that identity issue with your father and someone who's out there as well himself, right, um, yeah. on top of having to do what, in my opinion, is the hardest thing for any human being to do in any sport um, and to be able to come across that way. Uh, I think it really speaks to the generational talent he is. And yeah. I, I think that kind of gets blown to the wayside with all the talk and sort of the memes making fun of him, right? I yeah. think ultimately this is someone that really needs help and someone that's going through a lot in his life. And the fact that he's able to, like all the greats, right, put that to the side, let it slide right off of them and have a performance like that is amazing. Um, but I'm just really worried about the direction this is heading in, especially with a lot of the comments he was making, talking about he wants to 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 go head on into death and people are afraid of death while I'm uh, sort of seeking it out. And all these different things, it, to me, it just all feels like a cry for help. And I, mm. I just really hope that he's able to find um, who he really is, right? Because I think in, in some ways that's that's really what we're – watching unfold right a sort of an identity crisis not just between him but also the person he has to live up to be yeah no that's definitely right on like you did that you know very you spoke it very very well because I think that once he gets away from his dad and we've seen this story in boxing for generations of the great fighter with the dad as a trainer and eventually they have to get away from the dad to be well now some people it works very great Devin Haney and Bill Haney seem to have a great relationship seems to work very well for them but you see other relationships like Roy Jones Jr and his dad like he had to get away from his dad and unfortunately Roy Jones still says he doesn't talk to his dad so hopefully it gets to a point where with Teofimo they can get away and absence makes the heart grow fonder and they can come back together eventually but maybe professionally they just don't need to be close to each other in that way and he can develop into himself right because at 25 a lot of us forget at 25 you don't really know who you are you're still trying to find that out and it's hard to do that if your dad is right there every step of the way uh so i think that that's a spot on what you said he has to find out who he is and hopefully he gets to a point where he's good mentally and he's at a point where now boxing can be enjoyable it's back to being what he was when he grew up loving it and it's not something where it's just a job or something to pay the bills or something to get to the point where he's also fighting for custody for his son and hopefully that goes well and he's able to find peace in that situation like there's a lot of things going on with him uh, but hopefully he's able to concentrate on boxing and concentrate on just being at peace so we can see the best of him and he can have a great career that he's 
has so much potential to have because like you said he definitely has that talent for sure man and unfortunately i'm just being frank here right i i think this is gonna keep going down this path i think that there's just so many things going on and unfortunately let's be real right we we enjoy this sport we got to be real about what we're watching i think the fact that he is a boxer is not helping these situations at all like i'm sure to some extent the career um sort of damage he's accrued um although not a lot right compared to most guys you, you may think of um we we can only know what effects those things are having especially on someone at such a young age on top of dealing with all these other things. So once again, whenever I hear about an M- uh, MMA or a boxing retirement, it always kind of feels short-lived, right? You always kind of yeah. got to read between the lines to understand exactly what it what it really is about. Um, this one, it definitely seemed like at first money was the issue. Um, now, e- even with, with that, he just doesn't make sense, right? Like yeah. I, heard, I heard claims where he was asking ESPN for a uh, desk gig and and respectfully we all see the interviews i don't know what yeah. network would, would put you out there in confidence uh with, with yeah. the way you sort of go about these things i'm, I'm not gonna lie he'd probably be better than timothy bradley at this point so he can... <laughs> so maybe they should give him a shot <laughs> hey my pops will agree with you 100 percent. every time he sees bradley on the broadcast he legitimately gets upset he's like he's like <laughs> why is he here still literally um, I, I think it's the Pacquiao uh, robbery. It's still, it still digs in my dad for sure. Um, but I agree. I, I just, I, I honestly am worried about the man. And I feel like yeah. as far as my armchair psychologist take goes, right. Um, I just think that for you to be sitting here and saying, I'm not making enough money, but I only made a million dollars and I'm going to make, I've made you guys a hundred million, but I've only made a million. It's just like, clearly this, this is public negotiations, but yeah. A lot of things just need to be, in my opinion, be reined back um, yeah. in order for him to really even understand sort of how what he's doing is affecting uh, what his goals are almost. Yeah. And the thing is, is, he's at a point right now, especially in the 140 pound division, which I know we'll get into, where there's so many good fights out there for him to make right now. And if he gets his mind right, he can get to the point where he's making 10, 20, 30 million dollars in some of these fights that are on the table for him because he's such a big star and there's other big stars around his weight class. Just hopefully he gets his mind right. Because it's not about the money, but that can help. You know, money doesn't money doesn't buy happiness, but damn sure can keep it all keep uh, you know can bring happiness to you in a way where you don't have to deal with some other things that you might have to deal with financially. And that can help you just keep less stress around you so hopefully he could just get to a point where he's good mentally man because you like you say we just rooting for him to be good as a person agreed man all the best to teofimo and his family and this ain't to really brag i'm not trying to talk shit on his dad like honestly yeah. what they've accomplished is remarkable right regardless of, of how it how it plays out moving forward but like you said man the guy is my exact age it's kind of fucking freaky right so you're seeing yeah. all these things play out as a fan and being like man like the way this is going now, he could almost be one of the biggest what ifs of my generation, right? Of of yeah. my time watching combat sports, just the the trajectory he could be in. I'm I'm gonna ask you this last question. We'll move on. Gun to your head, sort of. What do you think is next for Tiafimo? Do you think he stays retired? I don't think he stays retired. I very I highly doubt that he stays retired. Uh, I can see him going on, and I wouldn't be shocked if. They try to set up something with him against Riley Romero. You know, he could get an easy unification at 140 because we all know Riley Romero isn't a true champion or shouldn't be a true champion 
at 140. Uh, Regis Progress, like, now nah, I'm not going to fight that dude. <laughs> so they have, like, they have to, I think that's a, a easy way to go. Or maybe Devin Haney. Uh, I don't see Ryan Garcia taking on that fight right away. I want, Ryan Garcia, I could see maybe taking on, if once he gets all his drama that's all going on around him settled, I could see him taking on some easier fights, quote unquote, at 140 against some contenders and then trying to get a belt. Uh, but like I said, there's so many options for Teofimo. I definitely, maybe it's me being selfish. I hope he doesn't retire. Hopefully that's not what he needs, right? Because maybe that's what he needs. Maybe he needs to get away from boxing to be good as a person. But selfishly as a fan, I want him to be good as a person while also being able to still box because he's so young and can still provide so much for the sport as well. 100%, man. And you mentioned it, so I got to ask. I wasn't even going to bring this up. This wasn't <laughs> on the docket today. But I got to ask, man, what did you make of Tony Weeks' sort of response to this terrible call, right? So for the context, for those who might not know, uh, there was a fight between Rolly Romero and one, uh, I forget his first name, last name Barroso, right? Francisco. Ismail, Ismail, Ismail. Ismail. there yeah. we go. Sorry about that. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, an older figure in boxing, someone that's been around, someone that's took, took a couple L's on the record, right? The fight coming in, we thought was going to go a certain way. As yeah. far as the actual, what, what I got to see at least, um, it looked like Rolly was on in route to being upset, right? In some yeah. capacity, um, sure. whether it be just a decision or maybe even a stoppage, it was, it was mm -hmm. trending that way. Not to say that we saw him get hurt or anything, but it was, it was clear in my opinion that Bajoso at least deserved to be up on the cards. Yeah. And Tony Weeks ends up stopping the fight prematurely double down afterwards, right? Usually we don't get to hear from officials in these scenarios, right? There's been a lot of instances recently in, in the UFC as well, which is why I think it's kind of prescient to talk about this right now, because on this side of the fence, we, we don't hear it all from these officials, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, an interview came out where Tony Weeks was transparent and saying that he stands by his call and that he saw an older fighter um, dealing with the effects of punishment and decided to jump in there based off of that decision. Now, me personally, I find that egregious because yeah. you you are given the the space to see the replay, right? You are given the context uh, that is be, beyond what you're given in the moment as a referee. You 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 mm -hmm. have the time to look back at the tape, and you are still doubling down and saying that you made the right call. What do we even make of this, right? At this point, should he have a job? It's crazy because uh, I originally talked about my podcast. I've been watching boxing now for, you know, more than 20 years. And Tony Weeks, I don't remember a time without Tony Weeks. He's had that same box cut since the 90s. And I remember him <laughs> having main event fights since the 90s. And he's been a good referee. This is my first time remembering him being in any type of hot water as far as his decision making in the ring. Because normally with Tony Weeks, he's out of the way and he lets it go down. And obviously he let the fact that Barroso, who is listed at 40 years old, but Honestly, looks like he's more like 55 years old, like in the face. He definitely looks a lot older than 40 years old in the face. But like you said, Barroso was winning that fight and he was up on the scorecards. Like he was officially up on each scorecard going into that ninth round. I believe that's when they stopped it. And when you watch the replay of the stoppage, Weeks was at the wrong angle. But even at that angle, you could see that Rod Romero wasn't landing shots. And Barroso was rolling. He's still throwing shots. And obviously, he already had it in his head, like, this dude's older, he's going against a young fighter, and I don't want him to get hurt. And that's the only place where I can give him some grace, because a few years ago in boxing, we had three fighters that died. And I think that that's in referees' heads. You don't want to be the referee 
who doesn't stop it soon enough. And I can't imagine the type of guilt you have as a referee if that happens in a fight. I couldn't imagine it. That's why I would, would never be a ref because I wouldn't want that on my plate. So I, I can get it from that standpoint. But to double down afterwards, after you see the replay and you see that you was dead wrong, like you was dead ass wrong, Tony Weeks. We all like, <laughs> there was no doubt about it. You was dead wrong. You robbed that man of a title that could have changed his life because he's going to get at least one more big fight because he has a belt after that. Now, he probably gets whooped on by whoever challenges him, but he would have got a big fight after that. So you took away this man's belt and didn't double down on it because you saw him, quote unquote, hurt when it wasn't that he was hurt. He just was against the ropes and you saw Roddy Romero just missing shots. Yeah. So for him to double down, it really just makes me scratch my head because it's like, at least admit that you are wrong. And then once you admit that you were wrong, you say, hey, I made a mistake. I was biased because he's older, going against a guy in his mid-20s in Romero. And I thought that he was hurt, but he wasn't. My apologies. And that's the thing about boxing, because it's not going to get fixed. Romero's going to go on to maybe fight Ryan Garcia or have some type of big fight where he's going to lose to whoever it is, but he's going to get a payday because he has a belt, which just isn't right. So Tony Weeks, I just, that makes me lose a little respect for you, bro. I'm not going to lie, because you have to, everybody makes mistakes. We've all, we've all made our mistakes. Once you make your mistake, own up to it. Hey, I was wrong. This is what happened. This is why I thought I should have stopped it, but obviously I was wrong about that. And my apologies. But for him to double down is just crazy. Man, it, it kind of makes you feel almost like the, the corruption talk has some sort of uh, merit because. Yeah. Once again, it's just so egregious. Like it, as someone that is supposed to be the trained eye, right? Supposed to be the mm -hmm. one that we look to, right? To get answers on these kind of things for you to still watch that fight and feel the same way. Um, it really makes you question whether or not uh, the 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 longevity in the sport affects your ability to do the job right. Like that that's something that I think has been analyzed across other sports as well, and and turns out to be true. Right? Yeah. You may think the tenured NBA ref of twenty plus years might have the best ability to make the correct calls, but at the yeah. end of the day, I'm sure uh, age always has its day, and and at some and point that bell curve begins to tip in the other direction where your experience isn't lending itself to you on the on the night itself. We've and we've talked about it before. I've said we don't have like programs or we don't see ads saying, you know, let's get some new boxing refs, let's get some new boxing judges. And I've looked into it like I judge fights all the time. I'm like, I wonder how can you become a boxing judge? Like I said earlier, I don't want to be a ref, but maybe I can look into being a judge. And I've actually like went through the steps of trying to do it. And it's so hard to even get your foot in the door of trying to be a judge. And I'm still in the process of doing it. Like I had to first go through the Arizona State Commission and pay a fee to try to get a license through them. And they denied it. Still waiting for my refund. Haven't gotten it back yet. <laughs> so they were like, oh, you got to go through USA Boxing. So now I'm going through the process of USA Boxing. And I'm going back and forth, me and the head guy who I got the information for are going back and forth on trying to get me to judge some amateur fights so that I can have that on my record, then try to become a judge. Because I'm like, I've been talking a long time about how we need younger judges. I'm still young-ish. So let me try to <laughs> maybe do that. And maybe I can be like the start of a new trend of younger people trying to be judges and referees because we do need that. Because when you watch a fight, you know, you see the same names as referees, see the same names as judges pretty much. And it's usually either those same names or it's the son and daughters of those same names. And we need more blood, new blood, 
as far as refs and judges. So if you're out there listening and you thought about being a ref or a judge, look it up. I'm not going to lie to you. It's tough because I'm still trying to get in. But <laughs> it's something that we do need. We need younger boxing judges and referees for sure. That's a great shout. I'll endorse this man to the end of time. <laughs> After every one of these decisions, I'm texting you like, hey, this is what I got. What do you got? Because I, yeah. I genuinely trust your instincts when it comes to these things. Uh, so looking forward to more updates on that. Can't wait to hear about you potentially uh, in the seat for one of these big fights that we love talking about. Uh, sure. But with all that being said, good luck, Tony Weeks, because you got some shit to figure out. Uh, yeah. Let's move on to my favorite part of the show, right? I set this yeah. up. I was trying to figure out. I was like, I got one of the biggest assets on the show as far as sports talk, not even just boxing talk. So yeah. I'm like, let me try to figure out exactly how I can best utilize your skills, right? And, I, <laughs> and the only thing that came to mind, right, was, man, there are three specific divisions, right, in this sport we love called boxing that they're just jammed up, whether it's a log jam, whether it's <laughs> there's too many goddamn contenders, whether there's nobody else to go to, and we need somebody to fix these divisions, right? So all <laughs> money aside, no contracts to think about, we're calling on you, man. It's it's up to you to fix these <laughs> next three divisions. Uh, so I'm going to be starting out in the lightweight division. Now, this this may be a division that most people think don't need fixing, right? We just had a blo uh, a marquee blockbuster of a, of a main event between Devin Haney and Vasily Lomachenko. Uh, two, in my opinion, uh, historic fighters in this weight class and, and still have careers yet to play out. So with all that being said, right, it might be healthier than we've ever imagined. Uh, but th there's issues here. The first one being, obviously, I mentioned, I texted you last time. I personally had Lomachenko winning that last fight, and it's an argument, right? I'm not saying yeah. I'm I'm correct. I just think there's an argument to be had. And the yeah. fact that, in my opinion that three judges all saw it the same way on a night where so many people saw it differently kind of makes you feel a little weird. I don't know how you feel about it. So first of all, how do you feel about that night and how it went off? And then how do we fix this division? How do we get things rolling? Because I feel like either all the top players are floating in between this one and uh, the next one up at 140, um, or they're just willing to fight other people along the line. Yeah, as far as the fight is concerned, I scored it a draw, so I had no issue with the actual decision itself. I saw some people uh, really mad about the 116-112. It's one round difference between that and 115-113, right? And there were so many rounds that were swing rounds where it could go either way, depending on what you like, right? Because that's one thing as a judge, it does come down to being subjective at times. And for me, when I try to judge a fight, I want I going into the fight, I know what each fighter wants to do. I'm like, do they execute their game plan better than the other person? And that's how I judge it going into those fights. And I was like, okay, I can see where all three scored it that way. So I don't think it was a robbery by any point. I can see people scoring it for Lomachenko. But of course, the hot take culture by was, oh, he was robbed. It, it was no robbery. It was a close fight that was hard to score, which we had another one last Saturday with Regis Progray that was very hard to score. But when you have those fights that are hard to score, sometimes those scorecards are going to be wide and sometimes they're going to just seem wonky. But it, again, it was hard to score. So because it's hard to score, no one's going to agree on it, which makes it a really good fight. Uh, as far as the division itself, I think it's really going to pick up once Haney moves out. I think Haney eventually is going to move to 140. I wouldn't be shocked if he does fight Pro Gray next at 140, especially the way Pro Gray looked 
he may be looking at his chops like, oh, Pro Graves struggled his last fight. Let me go up there to 140 and get this belt. So I think once he moves up, then we'll see Lomachenko and Shakur Stevenson and uh, maybe as a Peta. And there's so many people in that division who could fight for those belts. And then we can really get some good fights going. So I think once he moves out, we'll see more and more fighters have more opportunities in that weight class. And like you said, there's a lot of talent there. And also a lot of talent floating in between divisions, like you said, 135 and 140. So you might even see some people come down and say like, okay, it's open now for these belts. Let me try to go down and get these belts. Uh, so I think that the log jam will be cleared up once Haney says what he's going to do next. I don't see him staying at 135 because it's, he's a bigger person who's getting a little older. And I don't see him staying at 135 when he looks so drained at those weigh-ins. I think it's time for him to go ahead and move up to 140. I agree 100%. I think that's yeah. also plays a big factor to how the fight played out, in my opinion. I think yeah. if you if you watch those first five rounds and, and you turn off the fight, yeah. goddamn, Devin Haney's a problem, man. Like, yeah. that, <laughs> what he's able to do and, and the way he's able to keep guys at range and still land his shots and not be passive, uh, it's a very hard skill, and, and he has it. So I'm a big fan of what he's able to bring to the table. But like you said, man, it's it feels like it's inevitable at this point. Um, I got to ask, though, if if you had full reign to book any fights you want, how would you clear the division? How would you set these fights up? Ooh, so first one I would set up is Loma, Shakur Stevenson. Uh, our top rank is easy to do. Um, but if I had just free reign, if I had, we talked about it before, if we just had the boxing channel and I just had free reign. Yeah, so Loma, Shakur Stevenson. I would see if Ryan Garcia is interested at 135, but he's also a bigger person, so he might not be interested in going down. But I would also get Tank. Uh, maybe you have Tank versus William Zapata. I think that would be a good one. Of course, Tank would be heavily favored, but people really don't know about William Zapata like that. He's not, he's not someone to sleep on at 135. Uh, there's so many so many good fights there at 135, man. But those are the first two for sure that I would set up as far as for belts. Honestly, you could do it like WWE style, give those four belts to them, and then try to set up to where those four have like a tournament to see who becomes undisputed in that weight class. And then from there, go to the rest of the contenders in the division. I, yeah, I probably would set it up that way. I was like, okay, you four, have a little, we're going to have a little tournament between you four, and whoever wins gets all the belts, and then defend from there. In which I would go with Shakur Stevenson. I think you would as well. We talked about how special we think Shakur Stevenson is. So I would go with Shakur to win that tournament, but it would be a hell of a, a hell of a tournament. Hell yeah. And, and if it is a tournament format, it leads to all kind of other debates, right? Like whether or yeah. not injuries play a part or, or cuts play a part and all these different yeah. factors. I love me a good tournament. It's the MMA yeah. roots in me, right? So <laughs> I, I would love to see that for sure. Um, if, if I'm being honest, I agree with you, man. I think uh, Devin Haney's moving up and then we're going to figure out where to pick up the pieces from there. Uh, but yeah. I ain't mad at that either, man. Seeing him <laughs> as an addition at 140, I'm thinking about him and all the other guys at 140. And I'm like, damn, he might be a weight class bigger than those guys. And and yeah. he, and he's big at 135. So uh, yeah, sure. exciting times for sure in, in Devin Haney's future. And, and like you said, close enough fight. I feel like all the hate needs to be directed at the judging system, right? And this is a conversation. I'm about to spark a conversation that could go three hours here, but I'll try to keep <laughs> it. I think between boxing and MMA, they need to come up with a system that is not just 10-point must- if anything, it should not. It should be zero point encouraged. And what I mean by that is, okay. I'm tired of each round, close round, swing round, being judged the same way. Now, 
this this can lead to some this makes it fully subjective right like as far yeah. as um judging the fight this is based fully on how the 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 judge feels on the night but in yeah. my opinion nothing is more frustrating than watching a fight that yes there's swing rounds but the rounds that were clearly won the best rounds of the fight were very undoubtedly won by yeah. Lomachenko in my opinion yeah like 8 through 11 were definitely just like clear a hundred percent. And and you could you could even argue that he was bordering on the line of danger, right? Yeah. I, I and personally, there were some moments where there were body shots that I saw affected Lomachenko, but I didn't see him get hurt the way I saw Haney got hurt, right? Yeah. And ultimately it doesn't mean nothing on the scorecards. I think if they came up with a way to give these judges more free reign to actually judge the fight, putting 10 and putting a nine isn't a hard thing to do. Figure yeah. out who who exactly uh, achieved more right in that round and figure out a way to quantify that whether it's half points whether it's going out right with no no nines just zero to ten if they if they got cooked the whole round you could give it a 10 yeah. zero um and i th i think that's something that with in tandem with potentially open scoring right could create an environment for these fighters to not only have a good idea where they stand but also um to fully know what they need to do in order to come out on top. Cause I feel like in that fight specifically, both guys' corner are like, you got this, you win this yeah. round and you win. And for, it never turns out that way. That's very interesting. Only thing that I feel like it would, cre it would create even more controversy because you would have, you know, someone say like, say for like the ninth round of that fight, you might score it 10 to six for Lomachenko. And people are like, oh man, 10 to 6, that's crazy. How would you take those points from like it would it would definitely be interesting? It'll create a lot of conversation, but the controversy would be nuts and the people would be on judges' heads. Cause and with 10-9, you definitely have where it's a problem because people can get comfortable and feel like they can take off a round. If you have your system, you can never take off a round because then you can mess around and lose 10-0. And all those rounds you accumulated don't matter if you lose one round real big. Um so it'll be, that's interesting for sure. I just, I don't know if you want that much power in the judge's hand as far as, especially with the rumors of corruption in combat sports. If you get a 10-0 round where it's clearly not 10-0, <laughs> like, you're like, yo, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a washing. Like that was actually a decent round. And so it would be interesting, but I feel like, and the thing is you do have the power to go 10-8. You rarely ever see it. But you have the power to go 10-8 when it's not a knockdown. You do have the power to do that. I think more judges should use that. If someone gets washed and it's even not a knockdown, but it's just clearly they just weren't in that round, go 10-8. And I think that should be used more often because now you're like, okay, that person clearly won that round. Because a lot of people, when they watch boxing, they're not scoring it like me or you would. They're just watching. So they see somebody win a round like that where it's clear, and then the other person wins close rounds. They're thinking, oh, the other person that won the clear round won because that I can see that. Like even me as a novice can see that person won that round. But again, because it's 10-9, it doesn't really matter. So I think there should be something used where when you win around clearly, it makes more of an impact. So I would go in between. I would say judges, use your 10-8 round like you can, even if it's not a knockdown. If someone's getting whooped on for two minutes and 45 seconds of that round, go 10-8. 
I love that, man. I love that. And and that's something that I I always sort of keep in the back of my mind as well as an MMA fan because obviously there's no knockdown rule in MMA. Yeah. So whenever you're you're judging these rounds, you, you're immediately sort of thinking how far it went and whether or not you'll go 10-8. Um, a perfect example of this, um, in the round between uh, Ryan Garcia and uh, Tank Davis, where Tank got the knockdown, uh, I think it was round two, I, yeah. I had Garcia winning that round until the knockdown, right? So when I scored it, I scored it 9-9. My dad's like, what sense does that make? <laughs> like, <laughs> it makes no sense. And I'm like, well, he got it 10-8, but then he got the knockdown. Like, that's that's yeah. how I would look at it. And, and, and he's like, like, technically, you can do that, but no one, no judges actually, actually do that. So I feel like the judges should be more creative when it comes to their judging. So I, I like that. I like that idea of this person was winning this round, then – a crazy punch got him nine nine like yeah it's a it's a tie round because of that i like that idea hey if i got you on board shit we we might have to bring this to, to the arizona commission real quick we're gonna have to start it there and here in new york uh but nothing gets by these guys at this point won't be surprised if we don't see any any reformation within the next 20 years that, that's how glacially slow this goes and oh and by the way the fact that they owe you money good luck getting that money that's like that's like having money uh from the dmv that you're trying to get back you're, you're not getting that back like it's gonna yeah, take yeah i'm like they said they sent me an email they're like oh you should receive it I'm like, that's a, first of all, that's a non-sports conversation. Why does it take so long to get money back that's so quick to go out of your account? Like, why, why is it, like, you can take money out of my account like that. <laughs> but when I try to get it back, now it's three or five business days. Like, what? Just give me my money back. <laughs> There's never been a payment error. It, it goes yeah. straight in, but it never comes back out the way it should. A hundred percent, man. Get these commissions out of the government hands, right? Yes, think about, think cool. about every time you go to the DMV. What is your experience, right? I don't even need oh, to go man. into this. I don't even yeah. need to go into it to know it's terrible. These are the yeah. same people we're trusting to do this, right? That's yeah. why it's difficult to get a job in these positions because you know what you yeah. got to be? A, a, a decision maker's friend, right? Like that's yeah. how you get put in these spots, unfortunately. Exactly. Uh, but hopefully, I don't know, maybe something that um, I know uh, Teddy Atlas has been spearheading is a, the idea of a sort of a, a, a global commission, right? To, to sort of rule on these things and, and talk about these things on the back end. Somebody needs to be doing it because clearly they're so fractured that even if they tried to make change, right? Like I know California, Nevada, they're a, a, a little bit above the curve than most yeah. of these um, jurisdictions, sure. but still it, it, they can't do anything because they need so much to happen in order for change to happen. Yeah, sure. Oof. We still got two divisions to fix, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how the hell we're going to do this. Uh, next up, this, this one is a very, very weird one, right? Because once again, I keep bringing up the comparison and I know a lot of the boxing purists are probably going to hate me for it, but I can't imagine a world where UFC division is tied up by somebody because they just want to keep fighting other people, right? <laughs> they don't want to, they don't want to defend their belt. They don't want to fight nobody in their weight class. Give me a cruiserweight. Give me a, give me somebody else. They're just willing to fight everybody else, but who they're supposed to fight. Um, and of course we're talking about super middleweight here. Canelo yeah. is the four belt ch uh, king here. Uh, rightfully so, right? Earned it. Uh, but now there's, there's a lot of young contenders, right? Waiting in the wings in this division. And in my opinion, it'll be a shame if none of these guys got to break through and had to face each other to get it. Um, I, I think you, you got to take advantage of the talent you have, right? I know that the infrastructure is different than, than it is in MMA and boxing, but you, I just can't fathom a world where you have a champ holding down all these belts, 
with young guys ready to break through, in my opinion, at that next tier, and they can't even sniff a shot because that champ is not willing to entertain any fight with anyone else but whoever they decide to. Man, don't even get me started on the Canelo stuff, man. So, (laughs) if you're not familiar, there was rumors that Canelo was going to go up to Cruiserweight to fight Badu Jack. Badu Jack tweeted, it's not going to happen. They trying to have me fight 20 pounds under the Cruiserweight limit with a rehydration clause. So, they trying to make him go to 180 and have a rehydration clause. He was like, they're trying to drain the old man because Badu Jack's 39 years old. So, he's like, I can't do that. (laughs) So, and the thing is, with boxing fans or Canelo fans be specific, they're so just headstrong on supporting Canelo. Like they don't even see how crazy that is to ask the champion. Like you're going to fight him for his belt to ask him to fight 20 pounds below the weight limit. And he can't rehydrate to like what he normally would do when you ask him to go down to that weight. For Badu Jack at this stage of his career to turn out a Canelo payday means that Canelo was asking for some crazy stuff. <laughs> like, because you're going to do whatever you can to get that payday. And for him to be like, nah, I'm good. That means that Canelo was out here tripping. <laughs> for real. Uh, and like you said, so Canelo, he's trying to, I feel like he's chasing accomplishments, but not greatness. And some people might think, oh, that's the same thing. But if he goes up the cruiserweight and gets a belt, that's an accomplishment. And it's going to go down on his resume. It's like a good thing. Like, oh, he started at 147, then eventually got the cruiserweight. That's crazy. That's the biggest weight gap we've ever seen. And at the end of his career, when people are just looking up his box rec, it's going to look amazing. But it's not greatness. If he's chasing greatness, he's going to fight David Benavidez because that's the fight that we all want to see. David Benavidez has earned his shot at the 168-pound title. Now, how do you fix it? If you don't get Canelo, David Benavidez, you take the belts from Canelo. That sounds crazy, right? To take the belts from Canelo, but that would be the best thing for boxing in that weight class. To take the belts from Canelo, and you have all these contenders, like you mentioned, Benavidez, you got David Morrell, you got uh, Demetrius Andrade, uh, you also have Jaime uh, Mugia. Like, there's so many good fighters at 168. You got Edgar Berlanga. We'll see if he's, you know, the real deal, but he's someone else who is someone who can sell tickets. He's good business. We don't know if he's a good boxer yet, but he's good business right now. And he's getting promoted because of that. He's somebody else who could be in that, that scrum at 168. So there's a lot of talent at 168 right now. Uh, you could get maybe a Jamal Charlo moving up if he ever gets in the ring again. You could get him at 168 as well. So there's a lot of talent at 168 being held up by Canelo right now because Canelo wants to chase these accomplishments, but not the greatness. Uh, so I think that if Canelo doesn't fight David Benavidez, strip Canelo of those belts, say, Canelo, whatever you want to do, you go up the cruiserweight, take your time. Do a John Jones. Take some time gain the weight properly, <laughs> and then go out there and fight somebody for their belt. But for right now, either fight David Benavidez or go somewhere, because that's the fight. That's the fight. David Morrell, if he picked Morrell, would be okay, but Morrell hasn't fought enough to earn a Canelo fight. Uh, it is also rumors of him fighting Edgar Berlanga. Berlanga hasn't earned that. David Benavidez is the guy. And if you don't fight Benavidez, we're going to stop calling you Canelo Alvarez and call, call you Canelo Athlete. Because you're definitely ducking. <laughs> For sure. So he definitely can't have you out here holding up the division. So my way to fix it, if he doesn't fight Benavidez, strip Canelo and then have another tournament with Benavidez, Andrade, Munguia. Munguia is another one who doesn't fight the best opponents and got surprised. He didn't, they probably didn't think that Drevchenko was gonna give him that type of test that he had the other week, but he definitely he survived it. 
So you get Berlinga in there as well. Like they have a lot of talent at 168 that can make a great, great, like super six type tournament that I would love to see. Dude, you said so many great things that I need to pause <laughs> to address the, the main one, right? Yeah. Right now, before I even respond, just give the people your socials and tell them where to find you. Because the fact that you had Canelo Aflac on on deck, just, <laughs> just in the in the pocket, ready to pull out at any point, is remarkable. So please, if you want more content like this, you can find it where. Yes. So at the real deal, WDA. That's on all social media platforms. So if you are a TikToker, you'll find me on there. You're on Instagram, you'll find me on there. Uh, Twitter is where I'm most active. And real deal, WDA. It's real deal, W as in whiskey, D as in Delta, A as in Alpha on all social media platforms. Yes, sir. You love to hear it. Man, first of all, I, I, I love this talk on this division specifically because it felt like it's been so long that we hadn't had the second crop of this division emerge, right? Like yeah. for a while, it's been the Canelo show. And for a while, we haven't really felt like there was someone out there that could really give them a test here. Yeah. Now, I, I think we got two or three options, like you were mentioning. Um, yeah. But the funniest thing about it, though, gun to my head, if you were to ask me, what do I think is next? Somehow we live in a world where Canelo's fighting Jaime Munguia next. And, and, <laughs> and we're acting like it's the biggest fight in the world uh, when we just saw, like you were saying, that that fight against Dervianchenko, which I think was a great fight. Don't get me wrong, as far as viewing experience and what you're watching, right? But yeah. as someone that watches championship level boxing i'm not sure that he's a championship level boxer but i'm sure that might be the guy at this stage of canelo's career that he wants to fight right so i won't yeah. be surprised if we end up like you said either a munguia or a berlanga or somebody else that isn't of that ilk that we're waiting on um yeah. so this is just one of the many problems with boxing right but yeah. gun to gun to your head now right instead of asking how we fix this i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you an even harder question right okay. so if we lived in a world where the best fight the best and the next three fights would be those guys in order, right? Mm -hmm. If you had to choose one to win those next three fights against all those other guys, Ooh. who are you picking as super middleweight? Oh, I'm a big Andrade fan. I'm a big Demetrius Andrade fan. Like I love his style. It's very, it's very unique that he's a left-hander and he throws shots that, by the, like, when you watch him, you might think it's wild, but it's also, per, like, precise. It's weird because he'll, he'll throw looping shots, <clears throat> but somehow he always connects. So I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, Andrade, <clears throat> I think that Andrade has the right style that can maybe shake up Benavidez, but Benavidez is such a monster at that size. It'd be tough for anybody to beat him, so... I'm going to go Benavidez, but I think it'd be really close to him and Andrade. I mean, I think either one of them could be Canelo. Yeah. And I love that for both of us, right? The first guy that comes up isn't Canelo, right? And, and yeah. I feel like that's, it's been a while since we, we felt yeah. that way, uh, honestly, about any champ that's undisputed, but specifically Canelo. So, yeah. um, right? A every dog has his day, right? And, yeah. and although... We love the the spectacle. We love the 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 pageantry that comes with all star level boxing. Um, I feel like it's time for a shakeup, and I think we're we're both agreeing on there. Um, yeah. So the final division that we need to fix. You could argue that if things were working correctly, this might be an all time moment in this division's history. But just because things are not moving correctly, um, there's a log jam that feels like. At this point, I don't even know how we get resolved. The heavyweight division, the marquee mm -hmm. division, the one we all 
come to watch. Yeah. You're the doctor, man. How the hell do we fix this division? Because honestly, I don't even know where to start. Honestly, we just got to get Tyson Fury and Usyk in the same room and force them to make a deal. Uh, that's how we we fix the division. Uh, other fights that we need to get made, Deontay Wilder, Andrew Ruiz, get them in a the room, force that fight to happen. Uh, maybe Anthony Joshua versus someone like a Joe Joyce, someone like that, make that fight happen. Uh, the heavyweight division for a long time now has been one that people have looked down on. But right now, there is talent in that division. Uh, and you can make another Super 6 type tournament with those six guys that I just mentioned in that division to have the champion. Uh, so if you did it, of course, the first fight wouldn't be Usyk and Fury. You have Usyk versus like a Joe Joyce, and then you have Fury versus maybe Ruiz. I definitely don't want to see Fury Wilder. We will make it they're on the opposite sides of the bracket <laughs> to where if they do face each other, it will be because they beat everybody else. Uh, but I would have that as a Super 6 type tournament there in the weight class. And honestly, Ruiz, when he's right, I see Andrew Ruiz winning because he has the, the best hand speed in the division. But Usyk is such a genius in the ring. It'd be tough to see anybody beating him. But then Fury is so big and so skilled. And then Wilder, you just never know because that right hand is just a detonator. So honestly, you can go with anybody there. The only person, the only person who I'll be shocked by is Anthony Joshua. If Anthony Joshua won it, I'll be shocked. But anybody else you can see winning that weight. And Joe Joyce has looked amazing in his fights on his way up. Uh, so basically, if you can't get Yusuke and Fury to work it out, make this six-man tournament so we can have a real undisputed champion for the first time since Lance Lewis. The fact that the last undisputed champion was 20 years ago uh, lets you know like how much we've just been into. And it's not all the heavyweights boxing's fault because for a long time we had two brothers that were the champion. They weren't going to fight each other, the Klitschko brothers. But after that, we should have had a unified champion, undisputed champion after that. And we still haven't had it. So Usyk and Fury, I don't know what's going on there because Usyk is somebody who strikes me as no nonsense. Like, let's make the fight happen. Let's get it. Okay, you want to do 60-40 because you're the biggest star? Cool. We're still going to make a lot of money. I'll still be all right. <laughs> let's make it happen. And then in the rematch, we'll make sure I get more money. Like, he strikes me as that type of guy. And Fury's been somebody who's made fights happen. He made the Wilder fight happen three separate times when they were on different sides of the street. So I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if Fury's getting a little, you know, shaking his boots a little bit with somebody who maybe is just as good as a boxer as he is, who maybe he hasn't seen in the weight class. I don't know what's really happening there, but put them in a room, make this fight happen. Because once that fight happens, you have that undisputed guy at the top. It kind of makes everything else kind of trickle down in a good way. I, I couldn't agree with you more, man. I'm such a fan of that fight. Just yeah. because I am the guy that constantly, to, to everyone around me's dismay, I'm just pounding the drum of how Tyson Fury is an all-time great and nobody yeah. wants to believe me, right? <laughs> Everyone's like, nah, he doesn't want to do this. He hasn't done this. And hey, I can't even argue those points. Um, but yeah. I, as far as the talent, right? What you just see come off the page, the, the man is special, man. And yes. I feel the same way about Usyk. Like I, I feel ex the exact same way. Big fan of uh, Papachenko and what he's been able to do uh, with those two guys specifically. So that's an all-time fight, right? Like once that gets yeah. done... Um, I, I, I will be a hundred percent pumped for that. Like that, that, that's awesome. Um, but like you said, what makes me so excited about this division though, is there's a, there's potential for all these tournaments, potential for all these different matchups that are exciting, right. That bring yeah. us to the table. 
Uh, but there's a couple guys, too, that are on the outside looking in that don't even have fights that are still of that level, right? Like, my yeah. my favorite guy to, to mention is young Zayli Zhang, right? No, Nobody wants to talk oh, about him either. He, he's somebody who could be in that tournament for sure. Yeah. No, that's, he, that's could, he could upset some people on the way, too. Like, I feel like, yeah. honestly, this is my hot take for the show. Um, give me him against anyone outside of that top two. Yusik Fury, I think he beats any mm. of those guys. Um, and... and, mm. and and, and and I know that's a tricky one. That's a tricky one. Yeah. I, I will pick him against any one of those guys just because that's how I, impressed I have been by what he's able to do because it's just such a weird – I'm a fan of weird styles, right? I think that's yeah, why I love MMA, right? Most of the time mm-hmm. watching this and I'm, I'm figuring out like, oh, this shit actually works, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone would always talk about, hey, you got a huge heavyweight like that. They're just going to gas in six rounds. And, hey, you're right. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> but somehow he, he can persevere and just land yeah. bracken shots on guys. That that, that, that left hand somehow always finds his mark. Yep. And he's just so long, too, like just crowding you with that with that length. Uh, that's why I think he'll he just get cooked by those top two guys, because I think they're yeah. savants at dealing with that in a weight class where, honestly, if you have decent boxing skill most of the time, they're like, hey, get ready for the title shot because <laughs> it's that kind of a shallow space. But the yeah. fact that we got two virtuosos right now at the top and we can't find a way to see them fight, so frustrating, man. So yeah, frustrating. It's, it's very frustrating. Like I said, because normally with those two guys, you expect them to get the deal done. So it just is really weird. Mm-hmm. Really weird. But I love it. We fixed three <laughs> divisions. <laughs> and 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 just like that, right? The, the 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 clock is running here, right? So I had this this next section all planned out. It's a little longer than I would have liked, so I'm gonna ch- chop some of these names as we go. But I'm gonna ask you some rapid fire predictions here. We okay. don't need to get in depth. We don't need to give a full breakdown. There's two fights that I'm holding the full breakdown for at the end. Okay. But these are some upcoming fights within the next three months that I thought were worth a mention, right? So I I would like you to first mention if you give a shit or not right like i, I think that's important to, to establish right if this is a fight worth giving a shit about and then yeah. afterwards who you who you might have so first up june 24th on showtime we've got carlos adamas going up against julian williams for adamas's wbc interim middleweight title um i care it's not like a full <laughs> like because uh julian williams i feel like is a little long in the tooth now and Carlos Adamas is definitely a favorite in this one. So I'm going to go Adamas, uh, probably by knockout. Uh, so I just want – I care because I want to see how impressive Adamas is. I feel that 100%. It's one of those where someone's getting sent in there to die, and, but it's yeah. okay, right? We, sometimes <laughs> we need to move past that, right? Yeah. Uh, so I agree. That that should be a a, a fun one at least. Um, next up, on the same date, in on the zone though, Edgar Berlanga going up against Jason Quigley. 10 rounds at super middleweight. I think it's important to mention that considering how everything's been going to decision for Berlanga recently. Uh, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on that matchup? I definitely care about this one uh, because I want to see if Edgar Berlanga is for real. Uh, and Quigley is a solid fighter. Like he's someone who should give him a test. Part of me, I definitely will put a few dollars on Quigley. Like not nothing crazy. Might like five, $10, but I'm, I'm going to put five, $10 on the upset because Berlanga, I just don't trust him against quality opponents and maybe he's had this little time off to really get into the gym and really get in his bag i hope so we're gonna see but i do care about this one i'm going berlanga but part of me i'm being chicken i'm not gonna lie to you because part of me wants to pick (laughs) quickly in this fight but it's such a a big upset that it would be 
I agree with you, man. I think Berlanga is right for the picking. Whoever, yeah. whatever top guy fights him first is going to be the yeah. guy that gets him. I'm not sure this is the one, but like you said, I won't be surprised either. He does this weird thing, right? And I don't like to talk shit, right? <laughs> I, I just, I just make this very clear. I don't like to talk shit, but he does this very weird thing where he he's such a face forward fighter and that's his instinct. And over time, right. They've been trying to sort of rein that back where now he gets caught in between. And there'll be times where like, you shouldn't be advancing right now. Like eh, it's okay. You can keep your distance. Yeah. And he's just jumping forward a little bit. And it kind of, it, it jars me, man, because it's like, mm-hmm. if, if you're doing that against any of those top guys, like remotely close, uh, yeah. you're going to get torched for it. And he, we haven't seen it yet, but we've seen some, dicey moments against vets where it's like man this guy was supposed to be out of here already and he's giving you trouble right now so um i'm a puerto rican from the bronx right this this should be my guy uh but i i just can't get behind him either i agree uh edgar belonga but i'm gonna be sweating the whole time yeah uh, I, and the thing is there's big money online because i i feel like the zone's gonna try to sell berlanga versus jaime mcgee for like their big time mexican versus puerto rican fight and he knows two guys who are going to throw punches so I feel like that's what's on the line with this one. That's a great next matchup too, right? Two face yeah. forward guys. <laughs> gonna gonna guarantee some fun, right? And that's what we're sure. in for as well. Um, next up, this this one, sneaky, right? I didn't even know this was happening, but I just threw it on there because I was like, damn, Jared Anderson coming up against you ready for this? You ready for this? Zan Kosobitsky. <laughs> that's that is not correct, but hey, we try around these parts. <laughs> Are you gonna be tuning into this one on ESPN? Uh, I'll tune in because I'm, I'm a boxing head, but the give a shit factor is definitely on the lower end <laughs> with this one because Jared Anderson should win pretty easily. Hey, when you can't say the say the man's name, it says a lot about the matchup. <laughs> um, I agree, and I, I I'm a big fan of Jared Anderson too, but he's also one of those guys that I'm not sure yet. Like I'm not yeah. sure yet. We he, haven't he seen has a, the a flashes. Big yet. Yeah, yep, for sure. And I think defensively is where. It, hundred percent with the top guys at heavyweight, you really set yourself apart. And I, I just haven't liked what I've seen so far, but he's young, right? You gotta, you gotta, yes. gotta give time to develop, especially those defensive skills. Next up July 8th, all the way from Atlantic city. I don't know if you, I don't know if you know that reference, but that's a deep cut right there. That's, that's a deep <laughs> internet cut right there. Um, On the eighth, we've got Jaron Boots Ennis coming up against Royman Villa. Um, to get, I believe, another one of those belts. Uh, so are we tuning in? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I definitely like this fight a lot. This is, you're talking about the face forward guys. This should be one of those fights where somebody's getting knocked out. Like somebody's getting knocked out. Uh, my money is on Avia getting knocked out because Boots is a, a monster and he's on a different level. But this is a good test for Boots. This is a good test for Boots, and it's a good way for him to finally try to prove that he's that guy. And you talked about divisions that are kind of locked up. 147 has been locked up by the Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford thing for a while now, and it's still going to be locked up, of course, because they're, they're fighting in July. But Boots can set himself up to be that next guy, along with, of course, Virgil Ortiz, who's also fighting pretty soon. Mm-hmm. I love. Hey, I've seen Via fight before. I would be shocked if if Boots loses this one. And it's yeah. not because I don't see it. I just think it's because of the potential that he shows. Um, yeah. He's another one of those guys, in my opinion, that kind of has that similar claim to fame as Tio Firmo, in my opinion. I think he has those intangible skills that we yeah. don't really see. Um, that you, when you see it, right, it kind of kind of throws you in a fucking loop because you watch these guys. 
And you're like, this isn't even fair. Like there, yeah. there's some guys mm-hmm. that if you were to get in there with, you're absolutely torching them. Uh, so yeah. I, I'm a big fan of what Boots brings. I'm excited to check that one out. Now, I can't wait to hear your answer on this one. August 5th, we got a big time fight in the Lone Star State. Jake Paul coming up against Nate Diaz in a 10-round official, 10-round boxing bout. What, what Do we give a fuck? Do we care? We do not give two fucks about this fight. <laughs> we don't care about this fight at all. I've told people I'm not spending a single dime on Jake Paul, and I'm not for illegal streaming, but if somebody wants to illegal stream it, I'll watch it then. But no, I'm not. <laughs> but I'm definitely... I do not care about Jake Paul fights. And he went and fought a boxer and came right back to fight an old MMA guy for a reason. Like, no, I'm not. I'm not watching this fight at all. I love it. I love that you're honest. I'm going to be real with you. I'm tired of the Jake Paul experience as well. Yeah. Uh, but I'm all in. I'm all in. <laughs> Let me in, coach. I'm tuning into this one. And you already know my heart lies. I'm 100% going to be in full belief that my guy's going to win, even though I know he's probably going to get starched within four. Yeah. Uh, but shout out to my guy, Nate Diaz. We're not hey, surprised, legend. motherfuckers. Uh, <laughs> next up, <laughs> on that same night, right, we got some competition. When I saw this matchup, I'm not going to lie, I'll be surprised if you knew this was happening because I had no idea. And it also shocked me, right, because of the matchup. Erislandi Lara coming up against Danny Garcia yeah. for a middleweight belt. Am I in the twilight zone? Like, did I read this correctly? Oh, man. What, what are your thoughts on that one? Uh, speaking of divisions that need fixing, the, the middleweight division right now is just <laughs> is, is, is just a big just, you know, dumpster fire right now because you got Triple G, who we don't know if he's retired or not. Uh, Jamal, I mentioned Jamal Chawler earlier. He hasn't fought in two years, but still has his belt somehow. Uh, so, and Irisland Delara just because he happens to move up at this time where this division's in flux, gets this belt. And now Danny Garcia, who couldn't beat the upper echelon at 147, is like, hey, I'm going to go up to 160, 160 and try to get this belt. Uh, so I'm going to watch because, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a boxing degenerate. <laughs> but it's, it just really reminds me of this division just needing fixing for real. Like the middleweight division needs fixing. We need to get some opponents for uh, Jana Beck. We just, this, this division is horrible. I agree with that 100%. Can we get a pick out of you? Oh, I would go. I'm going to go Danny Garcia. I'm going to go Danny you gotta Garcia. got to think about it, though, right? You yeah. Gotta, you got to think about it. I had to think about it because Laura is getting older, so he can't move around like he used to. Like when you, a lot of people, when they think about Laura, they think about him against Canelo and how he moved around the ring. And a lot of people believe that Laura should have won that fight. I went Canelo because he moved around a little too much for me in that fight. But now he's a little more stationary and he's sitting down on his punches. But because he's stationary sitting down on his punches, that's perfect for Danny Garcia to counter. And I think that Danny Garcia is going to win. I love the analysis there. You get it. You get it good. Next up. Ooh, these, these last two, sneaky good, if you ask me. August 12th, Emmanuel Navarrete coming up against Oscar Valdez for a piece of that junior lightweight title. How you like it? I'm going to watch for sure. Uh, but I see Navarrete... Uh, just giving a whooping to Valdez. <laughs> Val- yeah. Valdez doesn't do well against length. We saw that against Shakur Stevenson. Shakur Stevenson, of course, Navarrete is not as skilled as Stevenson, which might make it even worse because Navarrete is going to go in there and try to just get rid of him. <laughs> and I think mm-hmm. that's what we're going to see. Uh, Oscar Valdez had his moments, and he's a good fighter. But when he goes up against great to special fighters, you see the difference. And I think that's what we're going to see in this one. 
I love the analysis. I love the way you said his name. Reminded me of one Pavarotti from back in the day. Not many people are good. That's another deep cut right there that I'm sure a lot of people are scratching their head at. Uh, but we love it. We love it. Last one. And this is someone that I've talked to you about extensively, right? So yeah. another one of those fights that, hey, we're not getting the one we want, but we're getting something. August 19th, Artur Beterbiev coming up against Callum Smith. I'm very excited for this one. I'm very excited for this fight because Callum Smith, since he's moved up to light heavyweight, has been a monster. Like he's been he's been starching dudes at light heavyweight. So it seems like he was draining himself to get to 168. And now he's at 175. He's strong. He's been looking good. He's been aggressive. And that was one of the reasons I was so upset with him after the fight against Canelo, because he wasn't aggressive against Canelo. You could tell he went into that ring cautious of Canelo where he should have just went out there. Like if you go get knocked out, get knocked out. But just go at Canelo and go at his neck. And ever since then, it seems like he made a promise to himself, like, I'm going at dudes. I'm trying to end dudes. Now, I don't know if that's going to end well against Better BF, but I'm here, but I'm here to see it for sure. So I'm really excited about that one. For a pick, ooh. I, I was I've been wrong about Better BF so many times because I'm like, he's getting older, eventually he's gonna slow down, but he just hasn't. Uh, so I'm gonna go better BF, but I think this is a good fight. I agree with you 100%. I won't be surprised if we see Callum Smith return to form a little bit, right? Like, this yeah. wasn't on my bingo card for the last yeah. year. I wouldn't have predicted him to be able to move up a weight class and then do so well. So um, I agree. There's some shocking things here, potential for some, like, interesting storylines, right? This is, these are the fights that get me because, yeah. honestly, a big part about my fandom, and I, I would love to hear if you agree, but a big part of my fandom is just the – the mental masturbation, right? You're at home and you're like, hmm, <laughs> like, how is this going to play out? Like, stylistically, yeah. there's a lot of different ways you can see it going. Uh, so, yeah, man, this is a, a sneaky great fight in August. For sure. Now, we've we've took so much time, right? Just because <laughs> that's what we do here, man. We, we're giving y'all <laughs> some awesome content, and I hate to rush you, right? Um, but these next two deserve the time, right? Yeah. It's important that we talk about these next two in length. So I'm excited for this one. Um, July 25th, right around the corner, right? This is a fight we talked yeah. about that we needed in our life. Got postponed a little bit, uh, but it's right around the corner, three days after my birthday. So I'm going to be celebrating for sure. We've got Stephen Fulton going up against Nioya Inoue for Fulton's WBC and WBO junior featherweight titles. Um, we look at this fight like it's a unification fight, right? For yeah. I just I just feel like it's that big of a deal. Um, yeah. even though it's only for two pieces of that belt, um, you got the floor, man. Like, entertain me. How does it, how does this one play <laughs> out? Because man, this is one of those that I'm going back and forth on, depending on what day you ask me. Yeah, no, this is a true 50-50 fight. A lot of times you'll hear that term. You'll hear people say, "Oh, this is a fifty-fifty fight." This is a true. 50-50 fight because if NUA's power goes up to 122, that could be the difference because he's such a monster once he gets into that zone and he's got you back against the ropes. But the thing is with Fulton, he fights well against the ropes. He he likes being there, being able to maneuver and get you thinking that you have him cornered. Next thing you know, he's hitting you with a right hook and he's escaping off the side. Like their styles are just so comparable and they work so well together as far as making a good fight. I'm super excited for this one. I'm going to set my alarm. I'm going to be waking up, you know, whatever it is, 3.30, 4.30 in the morning, however early I got to wake up for it. I will be there watching it. I'll be texting you to make sure you up. So, like, we're going to be watching this fight together for sure because I'm super excited about this one. I think that I've been going back and forth on it too, man. Fulton 
because of the he has a little size advantage and is really good at escaping and his footwork. I think he can give Inouye some issues. But if Inouye is able to cut the ring off, which he's very good at, he can go to that body. He can slow him down, and it could be dangerous. And we haven't seen Inouye really any type of danger, really. Uh, he's He's been in some good fights. The first one against Nonito Donaire, for sure. Uh, but uh, I'm going to go with Fulton. That might be the upset. I'm going to go with Fulton to beat Inouye in this one by decision. I think he's going to be able to outbox him because of the movement. And he's one of those guys who has a great tank. He's not going to get tired. Uh, so I'm going to go Fulton to outbox him. But it's a really good fight, really close fight, one that somebody's going to get, quote, unquote, robbed because that's what's going to be the <laughs> the thing. Like, whoever loses, somebody's going to come out, oh, he was robbed. Mm-hmm. It's going to be that type of fight. It's going to be really, really, really good. Man, I love the way you broke that one down. Whenever, whenever I was thinking about it, I'm glad you went the way you did because now I don't have to, right? I could just go with my heart, right? So as, as a combat sports fan, I genuinely think that I am a process over dynamism person when it comes to picking okay. fights, right? So genuinely, you would think I would be going with Fulton in this one. I think my heart, my head is telling me to go with Stephen Fulton. But yeah. um, I'm just such a fan of what, in a way has been able to do and his yeah. technique um the i was really like taken back by his rematch against nodito donaire i know donaire was very old at this point in his career it needs yeah. to be said right but i didn't expect him to have that much trouble the first time right and yeah. i think whenever you have a sort of come to jesus moment like that and you need to fight that guy again like it's not even about the person anymore, right? Like this is this is a, a story arc within whether or not you can defeat yourself. And I think the way that he's shown he's able to do that and his ability to find those shots, especially on the inside and be the aggressor, but not overextend himself. Um, I think this is this is gonna be a real tricky fight for both guys, right? Because like you said, Fulton likes to play on the outside, be really slick and and find you, right? He's he's not out there just <laughs> running away from guys. Let's, let's make yeah. it very clear. Um yes. but at the same time, I think in a way does does a really good job of keeping himself contained just enough to prevent those shots coming back from doing significant damage while also still being able to push the pace. Um mm-hmm. I don't I think if we are in round four, right? And in a way is hard pushing um at Fulton in a way that like I need to get this done now. I think a hundred percent live bet Fulton, sell the farm, give up <laughs> on your give up on your plans. But I think if he takes a sort of long game approach here and establishes himself as a boxer first, I think he can knock out Fulton late. So that's my pick. I'm going, I'm going with uh in a way by stoppage. And I know I'm gonna be wrong, but I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> no, that's the thing. That can definitely happen. That's the scenario that you painted of him being impatient and cutting off the ring at the right time. And that power, like we haven't seen his power not carry. So we have no reason to doubt that it carries up to 122 as well. So if it does carry up there, we may see that. Hell yeah, man. And shit. We need a break from this fight. And the week of, we don't even get it, right? Like, we got four days to recover, right? Four days. I might still be a little tipsy from the first one. And we're going to be right into another generational fight. This is the biggest fight of the year, hands down. If we we end up getting Fury and um, Usyk, you might change my mind. uh, But I love this fight. We got Errol Spence Jr. coming up against Terrence Crawford. I hate the way this is billed, right? You would think the guy with three belts would be the one that's second. Uh, but apparently, T. 
Terrence Crawford is the A side. Don't ha- don't ask me how <laughs> he got anointed to that position. Uh, yeah. But there's so many intangibles, right? But I'm gonna start on this one, right? I've been throwing to you all day. I, you must be tired of my shit already. So <laughs> I'm gonna start on this one. Um, I already have a, a friendly wager with a couple of my friends, uh, $50 okay. straight, right, on the guy that I'm picking. So I'm that confident. Um, but I think what I'm betting on here is is something that isn't the, isn't the right thing to bet on. And that's an older fighter, right, and maintaining that ability throughout older, so, sort of their older years. Now, I'm a big fan of Errol Spence as well. Yeah. I think what he's been able to accomplish is – fucking remarkable considering what he's been through right this is another yeah. guy that that has had some trials and tribulations to no fault of his own right but at the same time to overcome those things he overcame it's not easy physically right but mentally right to not have to not almost not even have a hitch and come back look very good and be right back where you were after such a life devastating injury right there was talk yeah, of him not him. not having his vision right um, so there's so much, so much to that storyline on top of these guys being two absolutely amazing fighters for this division. If you thought back, right, a couple eras ago, um, these are, these aren't falterweights, right? Like these are, yeah. these are middleweights, right? So yeah. I, I think that's a trend we're seeing across the sport, like people getting smarter, people getting bigger and being able to sort of maintain weight classes for longer than you might think, right? It's almost like I'm talking myself out of Terrence Crawford pick. <laughs> I just think that when it comes to pure instincts, right? Not not boxing ability, not punching power, boxing IQ and instincts. I don't know if I've seen a better fighter than Terrence Crawford, man. I think even after mm. being hurt, he has those special skills, man, where he just does the right thing at the right time. And it just makes you, like, it takes your breath away, man. So I'm betting on that still being there. I don't know if it will, um, but I think... Errol Spence is facing his own kind of regression, right? With the things he's also dealt with. So I think that factors into my sort of pick here. Um, I'm going Terrence Crawford all in. uh, But this, this is another one of those fights that feels like a 55, 45 kind of, kind of scenario. Oh, for sure. Yeah. This one is a tough one to pick, Uh, but I'm going Spence. I'm going Spence in this one because Spence, what he does when he's pressuring you with the body shots, and we haven't seen Terrence Crawford really push back, even against Sean Porter, who Sean Porter is known for being able to get into you and push you back. Terrence Crawford was able, and that's part of his skill. He was able to keep the distance and be so quick that Sean Porter couldn't really muck it up like he normally does. Um, and with Spence, I think he'll be able to get on the inside, muck it up, get to the body. And with Crawford, we haven't really seen him. I'm trying to think if I've ever seen him in a fight where somebody can really get to him right uh he's been challenged somewhat and it's not his fault but once he got to 147 top rank didn't have anybody for him they didn't have anybody for him to fight he was over there fighting me machine and amir khan and washed up kale brook like he didn't have anybody for him to fight and then they finally got sean porter and that was sean porter's last fight I, it was you know sean porter's last little dash at a, a title uh, with Errol Spence, even though he might get you one fight a year because he's always got something going on, if it's a car accident or retina surgery, whatever it is, but somehow he comes back and he's just as good and he's able to come back and the pressure he provides constantly in that ring, both mentally and physically, I think will be the difference. The body work will be the difference. 
And with Terrence Crawford, I know he can fight both ways. But with Spence being a southpaw, I think he'll be able to get to the inside and get those straight left hands to the body and those hooks and some of those those nasty punches that we see on the inside with him. So I'm going to go Spence by decision because we haven't seen Terrence Crawford hurt. So I'm going to go Spence by decision. I love it, man. I love it. We're at odds here. Uh, but this is, but once again, this is this is such a good fight because not just how close it is, but also like we need to preface it with these storylines, right? These guys could yeah. both come out in rare form for their for their careers, and we could yeah. have an all timer on on our hands, right? Like it's that sure. it's that kind of fight. So yeah. uh, can't wait for this one, and I'm just praying it doesn't fall apart somehow. BLK Prime gets involved, and we we lose <laughs> this somehow. I would hate to see that. Because uh, the fact that we almost lost it in the first place was crazy. Yeah. Uh, so lo- love that they did a short build too, right? Like we're yeah. we're not getting all the time for the imagination to start salivating. Uh, they gave us like six weeks and said, "Hey, we're, we're gonna be here in July. See you soon." Yeah, uh, it's, so. and it's not. Terence Crawford is a great fighter, not a great trash talker. Uh, I saw the clip of him talking about cutting fish and going out, going all into details and whatnot. <laughs> like I was like, "Come on, bro! Like you, the trash talk needs some needs some work." There. There, but a good thing he could fight. So we're gonna, we gonna see it. Yeah, that was the most old head trash talk I've ever heard, and I love it. I love you could tell he hangs around the uncles around the party, and that's for cool, sure. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, for sure. You, you, gotta, you gotta give love to the generations above. I gotta I gotta say that. Yeah. But man, we already went an hour plus deep and we didn't even get to any basketball talk, right? So I'm gonna force your hand, right? You got on the jersey. That's a, it's the talk of the town right now. I'm not gonna lie, and I think it's for very obvious reasons. I know that you are probably tired of this narrative, right? Yeah. Rightfully so. And I'm sure you've been getting asked by it on all yeah. on all ends. Um, let's talk about Zion, the basketball player first, right? Okay. <laughs> because in my opinion, if you're talking about moving on from Zion, the basketball player, even with all the basketball stuff and even with the off-the-court stuff, yeah. um, I think you bet on that potential, me personally. Um, yeah. This is your team, right? What the hell is going on in New Orleans? First of all, can we start? Can, can we get there? Uh, but ultimately, if if none of the outside stuff was happening, do you even consider any of these offers if you were the GM? And then secondly, what's the road to fixing this? Because goddamn, it gets worse every week. Uh, when it comes to the basketball stuff with Zion, I'm with you. You bet on that potential because when he's on the court, he's a top 10 player in this league. When he was playing this year, the Pelicans were flirting with the Nuggets as far as the best team in the Western Conference. And then he got hurt and we fell out of the playoffs. That's let you know the impact that he has on the court. And he's the only player in history over his first four years, which I know he hasn't played a lot over his first four years, to average more than 25 points a game on over 60% shooting. Not even Shaq didn't do that. Like The fact that he's the first player in history to do that is nuts. And when you watch him on the court, it's crazy to see. And I know he's had issues in the past with his weight, but this year he came in in crazy shape. And because of his new contract, he has to stay in that shape to get his money, right? So I'm not worried about that part of it. And I can get why, as a Pelicans fan or even a GM, you're frustrated and you're thinking about trading him. But again, you can't do it. If you think about the history of the Pelicans, when we were the Hornets, had to trade Chris Paul, rebuild. Had to trade Anthony Davis and rebuild. So you're going to do the same thing again? Would Zion trade him have to rebuild? Like, honestly, doing that again and expecting a different result sounds insane to me. So, I would, like, you shouldn't definitely do that again because 
there's no guarantee that you can rebuild and get to where you are now, which I believe right now with a healthy Pelicans team, even with the Suns making their moves, I believe they're the second best team in the Western Conference with Zion healthy. And you don't want to give up on that, especially when he hasn't had the catastrophic injuries. He's had injuries, but it hasn't been the torn ACL or torn Achilles or a crazy broken leg. He's had stuff that he should recover from that he hasn't. And that's the part that worries you. Like, do he, does he want to get back on the court? Like, the hamstring shouldn't cost you the season. The regular, the broken foot that he had that was a clean break that should have been 68 weeks shouldn't cost you a season. Um, so that's the things that that scare you about Zion. But with all the noise going on, both with basketball and outside of basketball, he has to ball out to shut that up. The way you shut up all that noise is about balling out. And I would love for him to ball out in a Pelicans uniform. So if you're listening to me out there, uh, David Griffin and all the people working in the basketball operations in New Orleans, hold on to Zion. I know it's frustrating, but hold on to him. Give him a chance this year because I think he's due for a very, very big year. I love it. I love it. And I agree. I think if you forgot already about how the regular season went during this year, um, you, you look, walk, watch back some of those games. I, I agree. Oh, I think man. the potential Crazy. for what you guys yeah. have is up there. And I think um, it'll be foolish to trade him away, especially because of off the court stuff. Uh, yeah. But now we got to talk about it, right? It's the <laughs> elephant in the room. We got to talk about it. But I'm going to frame it this way, right? Because I'm not going to make you uh, fix this young man's life. Clearly, <laughs> clearly we cannot do that. The question yeah. is, will you watch the tape? <laughs> no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm watching the tape. <laughs> hey, hey, that's the that's all the answer we needed. All I gotta say about this situation, man. Once again, I said it on my last show. I'll say it again. I've been someone. Shout out my my girlfriend Yasmin. I love you, baby girl. Been been together five years. My specialty is in person. I, I have no riz. <laughs> across the interwebs all right there, there's no dms that have been lobbed that ever had any success but if i did if i was a young man with that kind of pull i could only imagine the kind of dumb shit i'd be getting myself into so yeah. don't don't blame don't blame the man fully at this point though it kind of feels like he's a glutton for punishment i don't know how far this is gonna go uh yeah. but delete the apps right i'm sure you could speak to some ai woman and and get these <laughs> fantasies taken care of um Get get on like you said. Get on the court and don't let this become the narrative because this woman is not letting this die. Right? There's a tweet yeah. every fucking forty minutes, and it kind of it kind of freaks me out. Like, do you not have any shame? Like, do you not yeah. realize how you're coming off? Um, yeah. fucking insane. And the fact that she thinks her pressure is doing anything right, it's yeah. tagging the organization and all this stuff. Fucking bizarre. I can't imagine. Yeah. Um thinking you're gaining something from this right fucking insane yeah. that's the part where i don't get people's reactions at first i was like okay i could see where people are like okay zion was wrong he let her on and obviously he had no plans of really making her it right he he was you obviously he was using her for her talents uh that you know <laughs> that she has right uh and as he's young so when you're young he didn't, somebody didn't tell him like, yo, you, just be real. Like tell her like, hey, we're having fun, but this is what it is. Don't tell her you're going to move to New Orleans. Don't tell her all that stuff. Cause now you see what it is when a woman is scorned and how bad it can go, <laughs> right? Like you, you're seeing that now. And for me, it's like, you know, 
you know, to each his own. She's not my particular, you know, cup of tea. I'm not into the obvious fake body type. You know, that's not that's not me. But you know, that's that's him. That's maybe that's a young guy's game. That's you know, more around your age. Maybe you can tell me about that. But, <laughs> but he, but he's gonna learn. He's learned a lesson from this for sure. I'm pretty sure he's already learned it. Of, and I'm not even when I say this, I'm not judging her for a profession. I'm judging her on what she's doing now. As far as like you said, the tweets every 40 minutes tagging him in the organization. I'm judging on that. He's learning who to deal with. And even if he de decides to continue dealing with women in that profession, he has to know what type of person they are outside of that. And obviously she's not the right person because for her to react this way and to continue, like I get the initial, maybe that first day, you know, I get that. But now we're what a week and a half <laughs> and she's still going. It's like, come on, come on. Obviously you're more upset about the fact that you didn't get the bag. Yeah. You didn't get, you didn't get the fact you didn't get pregnant or you didn't get the wedding ring. That's she was trying to manifest the shit too. She was you saw those those tweets, right? It might be me too. Like God damn, like that just so desperate. Yes. And, and and real quick, I just love your answer too. This was spoken like a man that got some good aunties back home. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to the shout out to the mamas in in, in Damien Adams' life, because it's very clear uh you navigated that as respectfully as possible. Possible. <laughs> Uh, but I will close the conversation by saying this. Um, I do not agree with the trend. It is not a, just a sole young man's game. In my opinion, I think in less than five years, she'll be walking around like a fat bastard, like looking like she's in a, <laughs> a in a fat suit, right? Just walk, that, that's, that's where these roads end, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but once again, Zion, with all due respect, this isn't me trying to come at you. It's just... There's so many ways as someone of your status to prevent these things from happening. For that sure. It's kind of like, man, like at this point, how you better fire all your managers. Cause <laughs> if they ain't figuring this shit out for you and y'all didn't have people signing NDAs already, uh, yeah. you're, you clearly got your cousin from, uh, from where you grew up at as your manager and you're not doing this the right way. So and clean it the up. The thing is with the way she's reacting, I wouldn't like an NDA fight wouldn't stop her from doing anything the way she's acting. So I like, honestly, he just chose the wrong one when it came to her. And like I said, we've all had chose all the wrong one. Right. Yeah. We've all been there and it just happened when we chose the wrong one. They didn't have a million followers on Twitter. That's the difference. He chose the wrong one and she has a million followers and she's still going nuts about it. So yeah, he's learning the lesson. Just wish the best to him and the mother of his kid and sure. them going forward, raising their kid. And you know, like you say, you're going to learn, he's going to learn from that. And hopefully this makes him focus so much on basketball, right? That should be, that's what the, the effect of this should be like a just focus where it's tunnel vision on being great at basketball. Cause that's, what's going to share everybody up. You go out there and you drop in 40 each and every night. Nobody's going to have anything to say. So that's what you got to do. For sure, man. I think if New Orleans is in that top five seed conversation at any point, right, but especially yeah. come All-Star break, uh, we're, we're not even talking about this. But I could also see a scenario where this is all we talk about for the next. Oh, yeah. If he gets hurt again months. and he's not yeah. playing, it's going to be rough. So you got to stay healthy and you got to ball out. Yes, sir. Whew. We got a lot off our chest. <laughs> I think there's two small things I want to touch on, then we'll get out of here because I know I kept okay. you real late. Now you good. Um, first one, this new Phoenix Suns team, right? <laughs> shout, once again, shout out to you, you and everything you have going on. Um, all your takes and the way you feel about this is already out there, so I'm not going to triple-double. What do you think of the move? We already know what you think. The key question here is how the fuck do you get 
a rotational piece to this team. Like, what do you need to do? Um, I, I posted on, on Instagram the other day. I'm like, this is going to be the first team that averages 48 minutes for, for their starters because <laughs> there's no way you got anyone else on the bench. Uh, this is going to be a my career type season for the Phoenix Suns. But if there was three glue guys from anywhere across the NBA you could throw into that Phoenix Suns team to guarantee them a chip, who would they be? And the only caveat is they had to have been active within the last two seasons. So that brings some eligibility for some guys that have been a little quiet on the sidelines the last year. Ooh, three glue guys to throw in. Mm. Well, one I know would never join them because they don't have the money, but Draymond Green seems like a good fit. That would be somebody that can help them out, especially because they don't have a point guard. He's somebody who can facilitate the ball for them. But, of course, he's looking for a big contract from Golden State. He would never join on a minimum-type deal. That's they, they literally have to sign minimum deals because of the way the CBA set up and how they did this. And they their new owner definitely has a big case of new owner syndrome because he's like, I'm going to make all the big moves. I'm going to spend all the money. We're going to go crazy. Like, that's, that's what he's on right now. Uh, so Draymond Green would be a dream guy for them, for sure, as a glue guy. Oh, man, a dream. Glue guys that they could really use. I would say an, another, like, type of glue guy they could use, like a, a Ricky Rubio. I think they could use somebody like that, like a, a true point guard, doesn't care about scoring, but he has developed his uh, shot good enough to where he can hit open shots. Uh, he's somebody they can use, and has become a decent defender over the last few years. Uh, so I think he's somebody that they can use as well. And I think he may be available, and I don't know if he's going to take a minimum, like, the thing, I can't think of anybody who's going to take a minimum deal uh, that they can use. Uh, but one that probably will take a minimum deal, who I think your rule still applies to, Boogie Cousins. Uh, Boogie Cousins is out there, and he's been saying that he's been wanting to play, and he's somebody who just wants to get back in the league. So he probably would take a minimum deal. And if they do trade Aiton, I think they could use a Boogie as somebody who could be a backup center for him if they get a, a starting quality center there. But he could be a good guy for him as well. But like you said, it's going to be tough to fill out that roster because it's hard to find eight, nine, like how many guys they need. Like at least like they're going to need like six, seven minimum dudes. Like that's crazy to even think about. And how you find those guys, they're going to end up signing dudes that we've never heard of, dudes that's in China right now. Like Jimmy Fredette over there warming up like, yo. Just <laughs> <laughs> the one. I still, I still got it, yo. Like hit me up. Like they're going to get up signing dudes like that for sure. <laughs> I love it, man. I love I love the names you came up with too, man. Because I didn't even put two and two together with Draymond. That's a great shout. But like you said, yeah. man, they'll have to do another sign and trade at this point, yeah. right? <laughs> it's fucking crazy, man. I can't believe uh, that we are here. Uh, but there's someone else that needs to be traded. And this is this this before we go on to our final talk. This is the last thing I'm gonna yeah. ask. But there's someone else that needs to be traded. Before I even mention, do you know who this is? Do you know who I'm referring to? Someone else who needs to be traded. Like, I know Chris Paul is going to get traded eventually or released. Is it Chris Paul? That's a good guess. I'm talking about Damian Lillard. I think oh, okay. as a big fan, as someone that has seen my team scorned, right, by many of jump shots, um, <laughs> and, and also someone that, I'm, in my opinion, doesn't get the respect he deserves as a top 10 player in the league, I still yeah. I will stand by that, even though he's on a he's been on a shitty team for the past couple of years. Um, now, full disclosure. Gun to my head, I probably say that he stays in in Portland, but yeah. I think it's that time. And the fact that we saw 
uh, Beal move, I think that sort of whets the appetite a little bit more. He keeps uh, mentioning that he will want them to do something with that number three pick. <laughs> Sucks that it's not a number two. Like, I remember watching the draft lottery. Of course, sad that my team's got a... <laughs> There was a, there was a dream. There was a three point one percent chance on my end. Uh, but that once that didn't pan out, I was looking at the way everything was falling. I'm like, man, if any team out of this top three got boned, it's Portland, uh, because they fell right out of that spot that they needed to really make something happen. Because um, I, I assume the most coveted piece in this draft is Scoot, and not um, that that forward that they're most likely going to be drafting. So yeah, Miller. Yes, Miller. Um, so with all that being said, is there a fit that you actually like for him, right? Some place that you actually think could benefit from the exchange um, or just in general, a place you could see him ending up before the end of the, the offseason? I would love to see him go to Miami. I would love to see him go to Miami. You have a big three of him, Jimmy and Bam. And it would be like one of the first big threes where each person does something different. Uh, that's one of my problems with Phoenix. Like you mentioned, I've talked about it at nauseum now, but I feel like they all kind of do the same thing, even though it's a, obviously there's an, a, a hierarchy of who does it, but they all kind of do the same thing. With Bam, Jimmy, and Dame, you have all three levels of your big three there. And I feel like that would be a great fit. He, I feel like he culture would just, like for him, he would just go right into it. Like it would be no problem. He'll be fine. That would be a good one. Another team that I can see him going to that will fit. Well, he the money problem will be in Boston. Like Boston needs a point guard, but it'll hit the money he makes will be crazy because they also got to sign Jalen Brown to his supermax, so they wouldn't be able to do it. Um, dang, I'm trying to think of a perfect spot for Damian Lillard side of Miami, Philadelphia, Philadelphia. Jimmy, if uh, James Harden leaves. I can see Philadelphia, him and Joel and B being a crazy combination of pick and roll. Uh, but they probably run into the same issues they did with James Harden, with him getting a little older now. So it probably had those same type of effects. But Damian Lillard, you trust more in the playoffs, Damian Lillard, than you do James Harden. And maybe that's the thing they need to get over that hump of finally getting past the second round is having a Damian Lillard. So I would love to see that if, you know, James Harden will be down for a sign-in trade to Portland, which probably not because I don't think Portland has, you know, good strip clubs for James Harden to go to. But it would be, I don't think he'd be down for that trade. But those are the teams that really stand out. Miami, Philly, Boston. And the other teams that I can name off aren't really contenders yet. Like a team that I love that I think is going to be like that team that makes a rise next year is Orlando. I don't see him going to Orlando. But I would love to see him go there and join Franz, uh, Franz Wagner. Excuse me. Franz Wagner there. <laughs> and the rest of those players. Uh, but I don't see him making that move because they're just not quite there yet. So Miami is the main place where I would love to see him go. I love that you busted out the accent, right? Because we're about to get to the, <laughs> the international man of mystery, the man that everyone has been talking about since the finals <laughs> and what he was able to do across this awesome playoff run. Yeah. This Denver Nuggets team, man, listen, I, I am someone that was a, a part of the hype, right? I was there this year when everyone was <laughs> like, hey, are we sure this guy should have gotten a MVP, let alone a back-to-back yeah. -back MVP? And for a second, I, I I dipped my toe in the Jokic hate, but then I remember I was that guy. I'm like, hey, pump the brakes. I agree. Yeah. Joel Embiid deserved it this year, regardless of what happened in the playoffs. Joel Embiid deserved the MVP this year. But 
it's about time we put some respect on this Nuggets team, and I'm so glad yeah. that they were able to break through the way that they did. How did you feel about the storyline of the playoffs this past year? Not just the Nuggets, but just the way everything played out. In my opinion, this was one of the more entertaining uh, NBA playoffs I've lived to see. Yeah, we're starting to see what the NBA wanted. The NBA for years has been trying to set up to where you have true parity, and that's what you saw in these playoffs. 8C make it to the finals. A seven seed in the Lakers make it to the conference finals. Uh, the Warriors being right there as a six seed with a chance to make it to the conference finals. You saw true parity in the NBA this year. And these playoffs, like you said, were very entertaining, right? The fact that we had Miami beat Milwaukee in the first round, I'm still shocked by that. I'm still like, that really happened? Like, they really beat Milwaukee in the first round? Because I, I ain't going to lie to you, Milwaukee versus Denver in the finals would have been nuts. Like, I think that would have been a crazy good finals. Uh, but the story of Miami making it there was pretty good. So overall, I feel like these playoffs were very, very entertaining. I would have to go back and look over playoffs, you know, history to see if this was like the most shocking playoffs. But it definitely has to be up there as far as having an AC make it to the finals and a seven seed make it to the conference finals. Even though the seven seed got swept and the AC got beaten five games in the finals, it still was something to see as far as the playoffs as a whole for this year. So I'm with you. These playoffs were phenomenal. Uh, as far as Denver, love seeing it. They proved that they were the best team pretty much all year long. Even with the Western Conference being crazy and you had New Orleans in there at the beginning and all these different teams, they stayed steady the whole time. And once they got to the playoffs, didn't play around, right? <laughs> Yoki was like, Rudy Gobert, I got 47, brother. I'm about to, I'm about to eat you for lunch right now. <laughs> and then go ahead and you pass you in the first round. Second round, they just went ahead and killed it there as well with just spanking the Suns. A lot of people, when they bring up the Suns, like, oh, they got two games against the Nuggets, forgetting that they just got mollywhopped in games five and six to end the series. <laughs> you got them beating the Lakers in four games and then finish it off. So as much parity as we had, the Nuggets showed themselves to be a team that could be dominant, not just this playoffs, but going forward as well. Yeah, man, I agree. And I love that they got a lot of those guys locked up, right? This isn't a, a situation yeah. where we need to figure out what's happening next season. A lot of these guys are coming back. And we've even heard uh, a couple of those guys on that roster say, hey, I'll come back for cheap. Uh, so yeah. really interested to see if they able to keep up the same level, right? Like, I, mm -hmm. I, I hated all the Jamal Murray, oh, Bubba Murray talk beforehand. And this is something I was tweeting out too often during the playoffs. I'm like, man... Put some respect on this dude, because regardless of yeah. if he's a consistent figure, right? We have a lot of these guys in the NBA, but if he's regardless of if he's consistent throughout 82 games, when it fucking matters, whether that be in the fourth quarter or playoff time, that man delivers in a way that's special, right? In a way that uh, cool. we can compare to Jimmy Butler, right? On the opposite yeah. side of things. Um, so I'm glad to see him get his flowers. I think moving forward, they're a fixture. I don't think they are going to be outright considered the favorites, which I think is a shame. Um, I think a lot of people like buying into the hype, right? And I think there's a couple mm -hmm. dynasties that are going to get the, the nod over them. Um, but if you ask me, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up going back to back. And with Jokic's skill set, this is a team that I can see age gracefully, right? Which is not something that happens for playoff caliber teams, especially in the Western Conference. Yeah, no, for sure, because he's only he's 28 now, and the way he plays, he doesn't need to be athletic, so he can be this good into his upper 30s, for sure, because he doesn't he doesn't use athleticism at all. He is sneaky athletic. I've seen him play in person. Uh, me and my wife went to New Orleans for my birthday, and we saw him play against the Pelicans, 
and he is sneaky athletic. Like he'll get that ball and that center is behind him on that after that rebound, he takes off. Like you know, and he's like, oh, okay, I didn't like I didn't know he had those kind of will. So he he's sneaky athletic. Of course, he's not Giannis and all these guys, but he's sneaky athletic. But he doesn't jump off the ground. Super skillful. So I can see him being good for a very long time. You mentioned. Aaron Gordon is, you know, he does depend on athleticism a bit more, but he's only 27. Jamal Murray's, what, 26. Michael Porter Jr. is like 24. So they have a, a team that's going to be very good for the next few years. This window should be open for them for the next three, four years at least. And then you can see him even trying to retool around Jokic as he gets older because he can still be that good going forward. So I see them. I think they should be the favorites. I know that the betting, like the hype's going to be around Phoenix because they have this big three, but they should be the favorites in the Western Conference. We'll see what happens on the East side if people make changes. But right now, the way everything's set up, they should be the favorites. Man, I kept saying it all day. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw it out. I'm gonna, th- I'm never gonna say I agree again on the show. But it just <laughs> speaks to the kind of pros pro you are. I, hey, I yeah. promise. Shout out Mariah Mills. I ain't gonna turn this into a dick sucking com- competition. But I, I have to give the man his flowers <laughs> because you are the Podstradamus. I heard your show where you were talking about this series, how it was going to go, especially with the Aaron Gordon matchup. And I'm listening. I'm like, hey, this makes a lot of fucking sense. But then when I'm watching the games, uh, was honestly blown away by how on point you are with with that, but also being able to recognize those things. I could see a a little bit of myself in that on the MMA side, never on the basketball side. So kudos to you for being able to not only see that, but articulate it in a way that, it's transferable. Like you were a hundred percent spot on, on your takes for that series. And it's important. I give you the flowers, brother. Uh, thank you so much, man. I truly appreciate that. Cause the thing is, you know, being in this type of game that we are in, where we are doing podcasts, we're doing content where we're doing takes and, you know, people very rarely do they say, Oh man, props to you for being right. As soon as you get something wrong, <laughs> they jump on you about it. So I definitely appreciate that. And you're somebody who I go to for MMA, but you're also, man, when it comes to football, I'm going to have you on soon, man. We're going to start doing our previews. So I'm definitely going to have you on for our AFC North preview. So, you know, I'll be hitting you up for that. Uh, And you're somebody who definitely hits your stuff spot on as well, man. So I appreciate the love for sure. Yes, sir. So with that all being said, make sure that you check him out. He gave you your socials. I'm going to have him close with that again. Uh, But lastly, I think it's important that I mention this, right? Because I got you here. I think I got you on your toes this week, right? I got, I, I, I didn't, I didn't let you know what was happening. I, I told you a general gist, uh, but you yeah. fucking delivered, bro. And I think it really speaks to once again the bag. You're, you're a regular at this house, right? You got your own mugs. You open the fridge whenever you want. Uh, please. It, at this point, I never had anybody do it. I wouldn't be mad if you asked me to come on. So please, we love having you here, Damien. Tell them where you could find all your good stuff. Oh, man. Thank you again. I love coming on the podcast. You know, whenever you want me on, I'm ready to go. Uh, but you can find me on social media at The Real Deal WDA. That's The Real Deal W as in Whiskey, D as in Delta, A as in Alpha on all social media platforms. So whichever one is your favorite, you'll find me on there. Uh, just not Snapchat. You know, I'm not on there. And after the Zion situation, I'm never going to be on there. So <laughs> you're not going to find me on Snapchat. But every other social media platform you will find me on. Uh, my podcast is called The Real Deal with Damian Adams. You can find it on all podcast platforms. Uh, this past Sunday was Father's Day, so I did it with my pops. And we we broke down our top 10 centers of all time. And it was very interesting hearing his perspective, being of a different generation than me, and seeing some. He brought up some names. I was like, oh, I even think about that name having on the list. 
So I was like, you know, he dropped some knowledge on me. So I was like, oh, this was a super dope episode having my dad on. And just, it's always dope talking to your dad about sports. You've talked about that, you know, talking with your dad about it. So we got on the episode and we talked about the Zion situation. We talked about uh, John Moran's suspension. And it was also interesting hearing his perspective on that as well as a, as a parent in that situation. So I think you guys should check it out and you'll enjoy that episode. So every each and every week, man, I drop a new episode of that one. But follow me on social media. You'll get articles. You'll get videos. You'll get all the good stuff. So go ahead and check me out and get that good content in your life. Yes, sir. You heard the man. Make sure you're listening. Shout out Bob McAdoo because that's the deep cut that that Papa Papa Adams gave to all of us, right? Because I, yeah. I I wasn't ready for that either. Uh, but yeah, man, the, the good stuff keeps rolling. Keep it up. Make sure that you follow the brand at OTS Media Co on all social media platforms as well as OTS Media on YouTube. I can kindly say I there was points in this journey, right? Where it hurts, it stings, right? You want to be at a certain place, right? And you're not seeing yeah, it. for sure. I cannot say that anymore. The amount of love and, and appreciation that we've been feeling from you guys have been honestly overwhelming, especially in a time where you could say we might've faltered, right? We were gone most of the NBA season, uh, but it feels good to be back in the thick of things and to be getting that kind of love and respect, man. Honestly, this gonna, it may not sound like a lot to uh, a lot of you guys, but being consistently around 50 views on a YouTube video um, that I'm dropping of the full pod means a lot. So thank you guys so much. Make sure you continue that kind of support because we're going to keep bringing you this kind of content. Man, I had a fucking blast with you, Damien. Thank you so much. We can't wait to be back again. And the, the sideline guys, we're out, baby. Have a good one, you guys. Peace.